Coming up on today's episode of Real Talk Rentals, we're going to talk pets. Should you allow them in your rental property? We're going to answer all your questions coming up. Welcome to Real Talk Rentals, a podcast brought to you by OnQ Property Management. We're going to give you all the tips, tricks, and behind-the-scenes drama of property management and what goes into owning a rental property. I'm Ben. I'm your host. And with me, as always, is Mr. Eric Dixon, my co-host and the go-to expert on all things rental property out here in Arizona. Today, we're diving into a big question, something that always comes up, always, always. And that is pets. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, lots of questions around this. We hear them all the time. So we're going to just dive right in here. Eric, the number one question, should a landlord allow pets into the property? <laughs> yes, Ben. The answer is yes. Uh, all right. Might, we're, done. Might, we're done here, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, the short of the answer is yes, absolutely. They need to allow pets. We could actually dive in. This could be an hour long. We're not going to be that long. But the reasoning after we talk about it, should, hopefully a light bulb goes off in your head and you're like, oh yeah, of course I should consider accepting pets. So um, I'd say period, end of story. Yes, consider to accept pets into your property as a landlord. Um, if that makes you uneasy, then just keep listening and we'll uh, explain it to you. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I would say... Um, What's funny is we, so in preparation, pulled some statistics. So let me just, I'm pulling out some paper here. Um, so of renters in America, this is on bigger pockets and the Humane Society. So we double checked 72% of renters have pets. Okay. So it's almost, what is that? Three fourths yeah. of renters have pets nationally. Um, I was telling you yesterday that I'm, I look at my, my, uh, my in-laws side just as an example, it's like they have a pet, my wife's brother, sister, they've got multiple pets, all this stuff. So yeah, everybody has pets. Then you look at my side of the family. I grew up with no pets and none of my siblings, but one has a pet. Yeah. <laughs> so it kind of, it kind of goes like generational too. Like if you grew up with them, you're going to have them. And the more and more people that have them over time, it's just more, more and more people are going to have. Sure. Pets. So, um, so I thought that was interesting. 72%. I would have guessed maybe 50 to 60%. Yeah, that so, seems high. It's crazy to think about. But then we pulled the office. So we've got an office, about 50, 60 people. And the overwhelming majority have pets. Yeah. So I think it's almost, just you and I that yeah, do it, not have pets. Well, and Matt, you know, <laughs> our, our, yeah. our guest uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, he uh, he has no pets too. So, and I love pets. I always tell people I love pets, love cats, love dogs, everything, unless they're mine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy so, to visit your pet. I'm happy to pet your dog. I just don't, you know, yeah, personally. I, I love pets, just not when they're mine. We're, we're turning off three-fourths of the audience by talking yeah. crap on pets. So. No, but I, I, as a landlord, I have learned to appreciate pets in a different light. And so that's kind of what, what we'll true. get at. So again, just a couple of statistics, very interesting, and we'll just blaze through it. So top pets, of that 72% that have pets, 40% are dogs, 25% are cats, 12% fish. Interestingly enough, I would not have guessed that. <laughs> and then uh, 4% reptiles and birds and miscellaneous. Um, and so, you know, I think you brought up a hilarious one here. 4% uh, are reptiles and 50% of the 4%. So 2% are millennials. Millennials love reptiles. Love reptiles. <laughs> 
Maybe because they're just inexpensive to own or something. Yeah, or, that's true, right? And they, and they can have a little terrarium or something. Yeah, minimal minimal effort compared to a dog or a cat. Yeah. So so getting past the numbers, here are the reasons I came up with why I don't think landlords would want a pet, right? Off the top of my head, I would say odor, property damage, um, disturbance, maybe. Like I, I own a few rentals in a community that's in an HOA, has a community pool and a park, really tight, small lots and stuff. Um, and some of the pets there would drive me nuts. So I could sure. see, you know, drive you nuts there. Um, I know with dogs, dog bites, liability, stuff right. like that. Yeah. Um, and then this is kind of on me because I'm not a, don't have pets myself, but maybe personal reasons. It's like, no, I don't want pets because I don't, I don't appreciate pets. I appreciate sure. pets differently than someone else does. So maybe a personal reason is I just don't want to consider them. So I went through that as a landlord, right? I've right. gone, I've been a landlord now for 14, 15 years. And so, um, I actually, when I rented a room in my first home, it's kind of my first experience as a landlord in 2008, you know, my, my roommate moved in, his name's Barry. He's awesome. He's also my cousin, but he, uh, He's like, hey, do you want a dog? I was like, heck yeah, I want a dog. I'd never had one growing up. I thought sure. I was like, I thought I was getting screwed over by not having a dog growing up. And I didn't have that dog very long because I just wasn't home all the time. And I, I ended up uh, giving it to an awesome family that that loved the loved the dog. But I realized most people have dogs. Like yeah. I, I rented this room <laughs> in my home and he's like welcoming a dog into the house. <laughs> right. Well, and it's funny you say the like the personal reasons. It makes me think of, that kind of instinctual, what we were always talking about, like this emotion you put into it, where if I was putting a home up for rent, because I don't have animals, I would just instinctively say, oh yeah, no pets. Yeah, no pets, because I didn't have pets. And I, yeah. I wouldn't even occur to me that I'm cutting out 72% of possible applicants. You know, oh, I just wouldn't even think of that. Oh, uh, do you know what? So you hit the nail on the head. This is the point I wanted to drive home that I totally missed is, so there's 72% have pets, Imagine if you put your house on the market for rent today, only 28% of that top funnel of people interested in renting in, in your city are going to consider your house. Yeah. 72% are going to say, nah, I don't want that. It says no pets. Yeah. And they might have a reptile in a terrarium and you're going to say no to, their, <laughs> yeah. no to them. Or they might have you know a dog that's not a big deal at all. So that that is actually the reason we're talking about this, right? Is the reason you should consider pets is a bigger renter pool, you know, so you look at the top of the funnel, you want as big as possible for leads coming into your rental. Sure. So if you say no pets, boom, 28 or 72% are gone. Right. And then of the 28% left, you know, the, then you've also got other qualifiers, credit score, income, debt, employment, rental reference. And you're, you're closing in this gap of like, well, now there's only 0.4 people interested in your rental. Right. <laughs> and, and, Pets is in no way an indicator that someone doesn't have amazing credit and, oh. um, you know, an amazing rental history by saying, uh, like you said, if you, if you say no pets, they're not even going to apply most of the time. Yeah. They're going to find the house that does. So they're not even, you're not even going to have an opportunity and be like, oh wait, this person's an amazing tenant and they just have a cat. Yeah. No, it, absolutely. No indication or bearing on the quality of tenant yeah. whatsoever. Um, in fact, Pet people are amazing. 
Like yeah. they're, they're, they're obviously more loving than I am. So sure. They're, yeah. they're, they're amazing, amazing people there. So, you know, bigger tenant pool, it just means more apps, more applications, more interest, more chances that somebody will like the property. So it's a no brainer. If nothing else, it just opens the funnel bigger at the top. Um, it's going to statistically, it's going to rent faster. It's just because there's more people interested, right? If you have a hundred people interested, um, I don't want 72 of them to go away because they have a pet. Uh, less time on market, and it eliminates our biggest cost in the industry, which I'll hit again every episode is vacancy. That right. is the biggest cost is in being a landlord. So um, it's not a cost that hits your bank account, and so you don't feel like it, but uh, less vacancy, the better. And then in addition, uh, another perk of having pets is pet rent. So um, I know we were, uh, we were talking to somebody just prior to the episode, and they're like, hey, can you charge pet rent in Arizona where you're at? Yeah. I mean, it's a huge, uh, huge way that you can make some more income. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's one more statistic I wanted to say yeah. that uh, we found, which was, and this was on Zillow, but they said that pet owners are 60% more likely to renew their lease than, uh, non-pet renters. Uh, that's super, that's super interesting actually. Because I mean, it makes sense when you think about it cause they don't want to go try and find another house that's going to allow their pets, you know, yeah. the pets are part of their family. So it's like, nope, we're good here. Let's just renew. Yeah. yeah. And so like the federal fair housing laws, I just thought about this is that they can't discriminate against your children. So it's like, Hey, if I don't yeah. have pets, I can go to basically any house as long as I qualify. Right. But I could qualify for a house. And if they say no pets, it's like, Oh man, I can't go in that house. So yeah. that would make sense. So over 50%, 60% of pet owners, renew their are more likely to renew their lease. Yeah. That, that's, that's just a, a bonus right there. Yeah. So back to the cost, we were, we were just talking about that. What, what can you charge? I, you mentioned pet red. Is there a way to, can you charge more rent in general? Like how does it work as far as funds go when you're talking about pets? Yeah. So pet rent, well, I'll back up. So like 10 years ago, it was kind of market norm, at least in Arizona where it wasn't pet rent, wasn't as normal per se, or popular as a pet deposit. And then it kind of shifted gears and then people did pet deposit and pet rent. And now some just do pet rent. Sure. And so it kind of, it kind of depends in your market. So I'm not going to say it's, Hey, this is the, the hard line. This is what you should do, but here are the considerations, right? You can do a pet deposit, which covers for damages and neglect and, and so forth at the end of the lease. That's in addition to the security deposit. Right. Um, but it's tied to the pet damage. Um, or you could do a pet rent, which is rent on top of rent, and it'll either be a flat amount or a percentage based. So the higher the rent, the higher the pet fee or the you know the pet rent. Um, in some markets, it's going to be recurring a fee every month. In some markets, it's going to be a percentage, uh, you know, a deposit. Right now, we're finding a lot of success in charging pet rent, and it's additional income for the owner, or uh, and it helps helps you price strategically. So. What you want to do is advertise on all the third-party websites at the lowest rent possible. So let's say your goal is to get $1,500 a month. Well, what you could do is say, let's price it at $1,475 and charge $25 pet rent. And then you say, well, what if they apply and they don't have pets? It's like, well, sweet. There's one less thing in the house that can do damage. Right. You get $1,475. But if they have $1,475 plus $25 pet rent, yeah. you've achieved your $1,500 while still appealing to the masses on all the websites at 1475. Yeah. So you can you can try and 
kind of work the system a little bit and say, what's the lowest base rent that I would accept? And then pet rents on top of that. Right. And, and it's per pet, you know? So if they have two or three pets, people are absolutely willing to pay pet rent for a great house, you know, oh, right in, in the neighborhood they want to be in that that's move in ready. And the only barrier is pet rent. It's like, these are their kids. Like, yeah, yeah. It's part of their family. Yeah. Yeah. And I was talking to Matt about this, uh, yesterday, our portfolio manager, and he was saying that pet rent, uh, just goes a long way to in, you know, a comforting people that have those fears we talked about earlier, the physical yeah. damage and stuff and saying like, look, just think every month, you know, it's a year long lease. You're going to be collecting. Like if that dog chews up the baseboards, you're going to have the money to fix the baseboards. That's yeah. what it's for. Yeah. But, and, and it's actually a double whammy. So if I'm a landlord, I, I have a property that I charge, let's just say $30, a, $30 a month. So I get $360 a month, extra income. The pet does damage. Well, guess what? It's not just me paying the, uh, the repair and using that 360, you can still charge the tenant out of their security deposit right. to get the baseboard fixed. And I made 360 more dollars. Sure. And so, you know, it's like, it's a no brainer. It's in no way um, ripping the tenant off either. It is yeah. it legitimately, there's another breathing, you know, animal in the home that can do damage whether it's odor, whether it's scratches, whether it's whatever, yeah. um, it is a higher liability. You know, they pay more insurance. They pay, you know, there are other liabilities there, but the pros far outweigh the cons sure. to, being, to considering pets. I have a friend, um, I'm going to spring you at something here, a story that I didn't <laughs> prep you for yesterday, but he, uh, I just thought of this. He, he lives in, uh, California in LA and, uh, he had to, for an apartment, he had to fill out an application for his dog too, oh, yeah. as if it was another person. Oh, yeah. Yep. And they'll check and make sure the dog hasn't been in, you know, like dog credit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally, it was like they checked because it, it had a chip. He's a dog chip. Yeah. So they make sure that it's not like never attacked anybody or, yeah. you know, that it doesn't have DNA of a vicious breed or yeah. all sorts. I mean, it's wild. No, yeah. I mean, and it is, you, you just literally have to treat it as, as a kid, as one of their children sounds different. I like the way you said it, that it's just, it's part of their family. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's a hamster or a tortoise or a bird or a reptile, a dog, a cat. Yeah. It's part of their family. And guess what? It's coming with them. So if, if you've been a landlord or if you have a management company even, and you're like, man, I've gone seven years without a pet in my house. Chances are there's been a pet in there, Yeah, but they haven't found out. And so what, what we found high success in is doing things like, uh, you know, routine inspections and different things that we can go into later, but finding out I'd rather just be legit upfront yeah. than, than, uh, and let's get this on the application. Let's figure all this out versus, um, catching them later, you know? Yeah. So if you do catch them, what, what, what happens? Let's say you have a routine inspection inspector comes back and says, Hey, there's a dog bowl and you oh know, yeah like oh dude so th this is the classic the like hey what happens if uh, my landlord has or i'm sorry i'm a landlord so um what happens if my tenant moves in and they have a pet they didn't disclose or it's not approved yeah and and, and it's a great question and it's actually simple like you have you have basically three options one is we've talked about breach of lease before in the past where hey you breach the lease we give them a 10-day notice if they cure the breach if they get rid of the animal it's like it never happened. Well, 
usually people aren't like, oh, you caught me. I'm going to go get rid of my dog. Yeah. It's like, no. So usually the 10 day notice is just a formality. And hey, we call the owner, we talk to the tenant and we figure out option two, which would be, you know, you figure out a compromise, right? Whether you're getting pet rent, whether you're saying, hey, you got to pay another deposit. Hey, you've lied to us. So there's a little bit of trust issues here. So let's, right. you know, figure this out. Um, that's usually what happens. Or um, the uh, some owners are like, yeah, don't do anything. They pay rent on time. I was there the other, you know, we did an inspection and it went fine. I'm not worried about it. So it's right. like you either do it, uh, you could evict, you could evict them even with a 10 day notice and it goes to an eviction. Very, very rare for a pet. Like it, it usually doesn't get there. Usually it's kind of a disappointment. Like, oh man, I thought they didn't have pets. Yeah. Let's charge pet rent. Let's get a deposit and we move on. And some owners are honestly like, you know what? They're awesome. They've been there for two years. They paid rent on time. I got a rental increase last year and they bought a puppy for their kid's 10th birthday. Like it's, I'm not worried about it. Yeah. You know? Um, it's right. You mentioned the routine inspections, but it's, uh, I think the advantage of, of having a, a property management company and talking to our inspectors is, you know, I was asking them, like, do you, are you ever surprised you turn a corner and there's a dog there and they go, you know, the second you walk into a house, if there's a dog there, (laughs) you know, like you can smell it. Yeah. Like you, there's evidence everywhere. Like dogs aren't, you know, sneaky. It's not hiding. So they're like. No, we always know. We always no. know when there's a dog. Yeah, there. and it's either physically I see it or I smell it or there's a family photo on the wall and it's like, that's weird. There's two dogs in your photo. Like, I don't know. Yeah, there, it's just there's hair all over the <laughs> the couch. I mean, yeah. whatever it is, um, you know, it's the advantage of having eyes on your property, yeah. of, of making sure that you're you're well, checking up on it. One of my favorite things to, uh, to tell owners again, if they're like, well, I guess I'll accept a pet. You know, that pet rent's nice. And I tell them, well, use your pet rent and pay your property management company to do your routine inspections. So like we charge a flat fee for our, our routine inspections. Sure. Um, a lot of people, um, they'll charge an annual fee or something like that. It's going to be far less than the three or $400 a year that you made extra. So it's like, yeah, I'll accept that. And then I'll use a little bit of that money to pay my management company to go do those inspections, take pictures, document it, and just make sure that, that everything's taken care of. Sure. Yeah. And I, I, I would bet too, I mean, this is maybe me giving too much of the benefit of the doubt, but there probably is a fair amount of, you know, if someone's living in a, I've been in my rental for five years now. Right. And my kids want a dog. They ask me every day (laughs) and I'm, I'm thinking more of my, you know, making my kids stop harassing me that like, okay, fine, we'll get a dog. And then I realized that I, tell my landlord, you know, yeah. like I can see that happening oh, where yeah. it's like, there's people honest uh, mistakes of like, Oh, I, I inherited this cat, you well, know, well, or a, I got a lot this of people dog. that they make their rental, their home. Right. And, and if everything's going well, if the landlord and the management company are taking care of maintenance and I pay rent on time every month and everything, it's not top of mind for them to be like, Oh, do you know what? We better ask our management company or we better ask the landlord if yeah. we can get this. And and frankly, a lot of them are probably like, I'd rather ask for forgiveness than permission. Sure. And and so anyway, it, it can't fault them either way. Pets are it's an intangible thing as well as a physical thing. Like the intangible yeah. love and the emotional side of it, you just can't can't measure. So I get it. Um the uh overwhelmingly, it's really just if our landlords and those listening can just be open to the idea. Right. Um, I, I know right now we have some owners that they're struggling. Their houses have been on the market for longer than they should. 
and they are strict, 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 no pets. And so we're, we tell them like, fine, that's okay. If that's how you want to be, but compromises you need to be very aggressive on your rental price right because you need to make that that funnel bigger you need to say hey i'm not going to accept pets but i'm going to price it so aggressive that the funnel is going to be big because it's just like wow that house is attractive and it's priced right 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 so um to tie things up i wanted to touch on something that you know is a big deal in our industry and that is esa animals oh yeah okay about it all the time what what are what are the rules? Can you say no to an ESA? What is an ESA yeah. animal in so, general? So an ESA animal is a emotional support animal animal. No, so anyway, yeah. uh, people say it all the time. Do you take ESA animals? And it's like, yes, we take ESAs. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, it's an emotional support animal. So it's it's a big thing, especially as mental health is becoming more prevalent. I think ESA as a as a tool has been around for longer than than we know. Like it's been around forever. People have had- Before we had a name for it. Before they had a name for it. It's like, no, I have this dog. It makes me feel good, but they didn't realize it's their therapy animal or it's their emotional support animal. And luckily it's becoming more of a a normal narrative. It's not taboo to talk about. And um, as a landlord, you have to know a couple of things. Number one, an ESA, as far as the law goes, is not a pet. You know, um, the best analogy that our, our actual, our attorney- we have a great attorney that helps us, you know, further understand and educate our owners on different things. He said, the best analogy is imagine somebody with a disability. Let's say I, I have a disability and I require a walker or a wheelchair. Let's say a wheelchair. Um, I, you can't deny me because I have a wheelchair. Yeah. But that is a tool and a solution and a, and a help for my, my disability. Um, liken that to somebody that has the disability of, of some sort of anxiety or or some disability, a mental disability, and they prescribed by prescribed by a doctor or a health a health provider has prescribed them a support animal that says, "Hey, this Chihuahua or whatever is your support animal." That is their wheelchair. That is their walker. That right. is their tool to to help them. You know, um, honestly, for some exist and and be happy and and find and find joy in life. And you can't deny them for that. So right. he said. An ESA is just like a wheelchair. If you say in, in that, in that analogy, you know, yeah. and so you would never say, I don't want a wheelchair in my house. Yeah. Oh, so absolutely. You, you know, you can't say, yeah. And I think when we were talking about this yesterday, what, what you said that made the most sense to me is they're not pets. Yeah. And you ESA, can't think about it. Yeah. And ESA I, is not a pet. It's and, not a pet. Um, and there probably is even a better word for it that I, could use at the top of mind right now. It's, it's a tool. It's a, it's a solution. It's a prescribed medication almost where it's like, no, that is prescribed by a doctor. And when we get an application, you can't just say, oh yeah, I have an ESA and we approve it. They they do have to submit the documentation signed off by the doctor. It has to be, uh, it has to be recent. It can't be from seven years ago, you know, just like a prescription would be, you know? And so another thing to know about ESA um, and emotional support animals is that you can't charge pet rent because it's not a pet. Got it. <laughs> so you can't charge extra. You can't charge yeah. and say, Hey, there's an extra deposit. There's extra pet rent. Some owners get frustrated with that. Cause they're like, but there is going to be an animal in my home. I want more money or more deposit. And they'll even say much so much. So it's like, well, I'm not going to charge pet rent, but the base rent is $50 more. Yeah. You're like, well, can't do that either. Yeah. They advertised it this price and they applied and they check all the boxes. Um, I, over the years, I've had to have some hard conversations with clients 
owners that we we present the application and say, hey, great news, we got this, this, this. They're qualified. They're moving in next week, and they have an ESA, and they'll be like, oh, well, no, that I, I'm not accepting it. I whatever we have to do, don't approve that application, and then we have to educate them, pull it sure. back, and and really help them understand why and how it's not even an option. So I'm okay educating the owners with that as long as they have an open mind of like, oh, this is the law and it's a federal thing and it's it's fair housing, it's it's everything all encapsulated. Um, it can have, the only last thing I'll say there is it, it can't have a bearing on their decision to accept an applicant. Right. So for example, if you get an applicant and they had a, uh, actually my dad, uh, this was two or three years ago, had an application and they had a DUI or something a few years ago. And, you know, normally it's like, hey, there's a convicted felony it was, and you would just decline him. Well, he's like, ah, do you know what? It's been a few years. Let's let him let him go in. But if I would have presented that and then I said, okay, great. You, you approve them. By the way, they have an ESA. And if he's changed his mind and said, oh, do you know what? Yeah, decline him for that. What that tells me is it would have had a, an impact on the decision. Right. right. And so it can't have an impact on the decision. Um, there are oftentimes owners are willing to work with people. Hey, you didn't check every box, but they're willing to work with you. But if they, that decision if to decline them is because of an ESA, yeah, we can't do that. And, yeah. and landlords, if you're self-managing, this is a trap. Fair housing and ESA is one of the biggest traps that people go into. Yeah. Because, oh, this is going great. This is going great. And they're like, oh, by the way, I have two ESA animals. And you're like, whoa, 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 I don't want that. If it's legitimate and it checks checks out, like there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we have unfortunately terminated clients because their stance on ESA is so wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, hey, I'm sorry, we can't do business together. We have to let the applicant know that, hey, I'm so sorry, this owner never, it, we're actually not managing their property anymore. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll refund your money and, and move on. But yeah, I mean, ESA, just know that it's a, it's a serious thing. Yeah. I, I have, um, my cousin is, uh, visually impaired. She's not blind, but you know, if you interacted with her, you probably wouldn't realize like she can look you in the eye talk, have a conversation, yeah. but she has a prescribed dog that, you know, like kind of helps her and oh, makes yeah. her go through and stuff like that. And it's like, you wouldn't say no to that. You know, if you, a landlord said, Hey, this, this woman, you know, could accidentally hurt herself yeah. if she didn't have this animal, you wouldn't say no to that. So it's like, just, you know, don't assume, you know, someone yeah. else's story, you know, yeah, if they it, say, Hey, they have this, it's just err on the side of, okay. You know? Yeah. Well, I think it's like anything in life. Uh, what what you hear, the negatives that you hear with pets and ESA and all that other stuff is people taking advantage of the system. Yeah. And so I, I do think ESA in general, I don't know what percentage, 90, 95% plus, no problems. They're great. And then there's that 5% or whatever that make the news and it makes this big right. story and they did a fraudulent doctor's note and they snuck into this house and it became an issue. That's just part of of yeah. life, you know, but I think in general, like you said, it, it's, it's not an issue. You shouldn't stress about it, except don't decline somebody for having ESA. Right. Right. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I feel like I have to get a dog now. I know. know. I actually, I, I actually feel bad. So full disclaimer, you know, yeah. I, I don't have any pets. I actually had a couple tortoises. I had a dog once gave him away to a great family and then, uh, had a couple tortoises. Yeah. But I'm allergic to cats. Legit. hundred percent. 
And uh, do I keep your on kids tell- think you're allergic to dogs? Uh, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm allergic to cats, but I'm like, I probably am to dogs too. Yeah. No, but I, I actually, I get it. You know, and being a landlord, having a, having involvement in management for, for what is it, 12, 13 years now, accepting and being considering pets for your rentals is a no-brainer. You will make more money. You will have less vacancy. You'll have less issues. You'll have a higher renewal rate. Right. Uh, it's just a no-brainer. So hopefully that helped everybody kind of yeah. get that uh, summary. All right. Well, that's it for us this time. Um, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review if you can. It really helps out. And we will see you next time.